Hello, everybody, and welcome to the May 4th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josie. Okay, so today is a very special day regarding um, history, because for those who don't know, today, May 4th, 2020, is Star Wars Day. Um, but that's not what we're actually talking about, don't worry. What we're actually talking about is the 50th anniversary of the Kent State shooting. Now, I wrote a whole article on this on Medium earlier, and I'll link that in the show notes page. However, there are some aspects of it that I want to talk to you guys about, specifically one very suspicious part of it, and the kind of excuse we hear for it that still exists today. Um. So I'm just reading dead straight from my article here. Uh, this is, for those who don't know what happened at Kent State, it was basically this half a week long, more or less riot, it was almost a week long, that was in response to Richard Nixon announcing that he was putting American and South Vietnamese troops in Cambodia. And this led to a huge bunch of protests, specifically among an organization called Students for the Democratic Society, or for a Democratic Society, sorry, which, if you don't know, is one of the big, or at least was one of the big socialist organizations, campus organizations, of that time period. Um, anyway, the National Guards were eventually caught in, or called in, sorry, after a state of emergency was declared. And May 4th, 1970, was really the day most people remember. Now, I'm going to say the students weren't angels. There was violence, there was rioting, they were, like, pelting rocks at National Guards, things like that. However, what supposedly happened, um, because what most people remember was the killing that happened, or killings, but we'll get to that in a minute. What supposedly happened, and I say supposedly for a reason, was a student by the name of Terry Norman pulled out a pistol and started charging towards one of the guardsmen. So what he did was he opened fire and that killed four students and injured another nine. Now what I find kind of odd about this, and there are theories that say that Terry Norman was an FBI plant. I don't know if that's true. It probably isn't true. Okay, there have been multiple reports none of which contain evidence Norman was an FBI plant. There is some evidence that, and by that I mean it's an objective fact, that he attended a neo-Nazi rally and took photos of it for the FBI, which was then still under control of J. Edgar Hoover. However, that doesn't really prove that he was an FBI plant specifically. But what I find odd was 13 people were shot, okay? And can you take a guess what one of them wasn't? Seriously. In fact, what all 13 of them weren't? The answer is Terry Norman, the guy who supposedly caused the National Guard to open fire in the first place, was not even bruised, despite the fact 13 students were hit and he was supposedly charging. So right there, that is very suspicious. And I mean very suspicious. And I did, there are theories that say that Norman specifically shot those guys in the National Guard. Didn't. There's no evidence of that. There is no evidence of that. 
there is still evidence that it was the National Guard that killed four students and, in and injured nine others. Okay? Again, the one that they pulled out a that pulled out a pistol and started charging towards, a member of the National Guard, a trained professional, just somehow didn't get in the line of fire. Just somehow. You know, that just happens sometimes. Like, that is the definition of weirdness. That is the definition of something's up. That is the definition of suspicious, right? I mean, if they had just shot Norman, even killed Norman, that would have been one thing if it were just him. But not only did they shoot 13 students and killed four, but not a single one of them was Terry Norman, the one who was actually charging at them with a pistol. So we have a scenario where in order for members of the National Guard to defend themselves, they somehow don't shoot the guy they're defending themselves against. What kind of sense does that make? Serious question. What kind of sense does that make? The answer is it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense because the official story is utter nonsense. But anyway, the other thing I kind of want to talk about is this double standard I've noticed in American society that the justifications for what happened at Kent State 50 years ago aren't really the first example of, but are one of the most common. Because what happened is, and you remember this line, after Tamir Rice was shot, after Michael Brown, was it Michael? No, it was Eric Garner, who was choked, after Trayvon Martin was shot, that they were just, quote, doing something stupid. So it doesn't really matter anyway. Of course, the police officers are never doing something stupid, or in Martin's case, the head of the neighborhood watch is never doing something stupid. You know, George Zimmerman wasn't doing something stupid when he was stalking this teenager that he saw wandering in the middle of the night because he assumed the guy was on drugs because he had a hoodie on or something. You know, the officer who shot Tamir Rice wasn't doing something stupid when he just pulled up, said, put your hands up and shot him less than two seconds later. Side note, to everyone who says that Tamir Rice's toy gun could have been mistaken for a real one, the person who reported Rice in the first place to the police specifically said that it was more than likely a toy gun, so don't give me that line. Um... But no, the officer who killed Eric Garner wasn't doing something stupid when he choked a guy for selling loose cigarettes. Hell, Bill de Blasio, the mayor of New York City, just said he's going to up the enforcement of the cigarette tax. But I thought he was some huge Black Lives Matter guy. Seriously, I thought he was some huge progressive Black Lives Matter guy. No, the first killing that really took off the Black Lives Matter movement, that being the one of Eric Garner, he just doesn't care about that. He thinks they're in the right. Seriously. The NYPD did, did internal reports that went on both when Bloomberg and when de Blasio were mayor. In fact, I think it was only when de Blasio was mayor, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, that would have been purely during de Blasio's tenure. That found that the NYPD did nothing wrong. 
seriously, as did the Justice Department at the state level, which I believe was then ran by Andrew Como, still the governor of New York to this day, and the Justice Department ran by Eric Holder. They all said nothing bad happened, that everything was within what was supposed to be used. But let's really talk about that justification. First off, the idea that just, quote, doing something stupid in most cases is justification for being shot dead is nonsensical. I remember back after Trayvon Martin was shot, um, there were all these, I wouldn't quite call them character assassinations because they weren't lies, but they were intended to harm the character of Trayvon Martin. There were all these articles out saying Trayvon Martin smoked pot, that drug that famously makes you violent. Uh, Trayvon Martin listened to rap music. Why couldn't he have watched old westerns like us uh, baby boomers? Why, for that matter, Trayvon Martin skipped school, which is worth, like, what, a couple of days at Juvenile Hall at worst? Um, and my personal favorite, Trayvon Martin had a gun, which is apparently an indicator of violence. Therefore, he deserved to be shot with a gun. What do you think George Zimmerman used, exactly, people who made this argument? Like, do you think he just took a stick and started beating Martin? <laughs> this is not funny, but I am making it funny because I am just that amazing. Uh, but no, there's also this justification behind it, because in truth, I don't care. Until the punishment for skipping school becomes the death penalty, you can shove those excuses up your ass, for all I care. In fact, I'd much prefer you do that than make them. However, why is it the responsibility of lone citizens to act more rationally than trained professionals? That's what I really don't get. And I remember I saw the same thing after Eric Garner died. And mind you, there were some that were just being aggressive and wouldn't cooperate, and where you could realistically say, that man might have killed me. Okay? Like, if they're actually reaching for a gun and saying, I'm going to shoot you, okay, that's understandable. But there was one. I think it was, uh, Philando Castile was his name. Where what happened was, the man in question told the police officer he had a gun in his car, but he was in his glove box, I believe. And he was in the driver's seat. And his glove box was in the passenger seat. He could not reach for that gun without it being pathetically obvious that's what he was doing. So he just informed the police officer, because that's what you're supposed to do in those scenarios. When you have a weapon in your vehicle and are approached by police, that is one of the things you are supposed to do, is inform them such, so that way they don't think that you're hiding a gun, first off. And then what happened was the police officer then shot Castile for daring to express his Second Amendment right while being African American. That's what that came down to. And of course the NRA didn't say anything on it. Or at least I don't think they, they might have actually. You know, I'll take that back, because I think the NRA might have said something on that. 
So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt for once. But no, why was it Castillo's responsibility to act rationally when a police officer is waving a gun in his face? Like, shouldn't there, and there are several parts of the U.S., by the way. I want to stress this. Not all police departments are like this. There are a lot, it's the same thing with a lot of military bases, there are a lot that do train their officers in nonviolent de-escalation. I'll never deny that. However, there are also a lot that don't. <laughs> and the ones that don't are the ones you're going to hear this argument about doing something stupid being justifiable for getting shot because the trained professional irrationally feared for his own life. No, not irrationally feared, but irrationally got this panic in them that they couldn't control and as such killed a person. Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? When you fear for your own life, you accidentally shoot an innocent man. Um, but no, why is it the job of the citizenry? Shouldn't that be the job of the police department to respond to our outbreaks, to respond to our meltdowns, to respond to our... And I'm not saying if you get arrested, you should intentionally have a meltdown or anything. However, one of you is trained specifically to deal with these situations. The other is not. And the one who is, I'm sorry, I will always hold to a much higher standard than the common civilian. Because good cops, I do want to stress, there are very many good cops out there. And they are, depending on a lot of scenarios, they are typically braver than I am. I'll say that right now. I would never do that line of work. Okay? I don't agree with a lot of the laws they enforce, but I will say they are typically braver than me. However, a lot of bad cops, a lot of examples we have of police brutality, come from this attitude that, in actuality, it's our job to respond calmly to their outbursts and not the other way around when the other way around is the one that actually makes sense. Anyway, sorry that went on for a minute. I just had a lot to say regarding that, specifically because the sort of effects and arguments about Kent State have shaped our culture, whether or not we want to talk about it. And that's why I spent 15 minutes rambling about it. However, I also wanted to address something I left to the wayside on Friday that I really shouldn't have, which is... Joe Biden's interview on Morning Joe about Tara Reid. And the reason is, I want to talk about this, is because it is a perfect, it is a perfect swing and a miss regarding the Democratic Party. We've talked about this before, this absolute fear. And mind you, I've debunked the Tara Reid claims and talked about how the media is not hypocritical, all of that's in the show notes page, but this absolute fear the Democrats seem to have of going on offense. I was talking about this back when Nancy Pelosi interviewed Chris Wallace, and Chris Wallace was pointing out, well, you were encouraging people to go to Chinatown, there wasn't social distancing there, and she could have so easily, and I was begging her to say this, have said, 
Well, I was just basing that off of the information the president gave us, which there wasn't enough of. Yes, I was wrong, but the information I was given wasn't enough to realize that because of the administration. That would have been so easy to say. But instead, she made it about how, well, we're just trying to dismantle racism. But that's just nonsensical. That is really nonsensical. I'm sorry. That just, as an excuse, doesn't make any sense. And this is another example of that. Because what Joe Biden could have said was staring him right in the face. For those who don't know what happened, um, on Morning Joe, the female host, I forget the name, it's Joe Scarborough's wife, I'm looking it up right now, but the female host basically asked Biden, well, okay, you said believe all women, but you don't want us to believe Tara Reid, which is a perfectly uh, normal response. Uh, Mika Brzezinski, Mika Brzezinski, 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 that's how I'm pronouncing it. Nika Brzezinski was asking him, well, you said believe all women, did that include Tara Reid, who's accused you of sexual assault? And the quotes they got of him saying that were back during the Kavanaugh trial. Now, the obvious response was staring him right in the face. And that was to then ask the host, was Biden right on Kavanaugh? Seriously, that's a serious question that he needed to ask her, and yet he just refused to. Seriously, that was such an obvious one. Because the fact is, the vast majority of Americans, even the ones who believed Ford, did not like the Kavanaugh trial. And most Americans did not believe Ford. So as such, they thought it was a complete media circus, the Kavanaugh trial. So as such, what Biden should have done is he should have told that reporter to either defend what happened with the Kavanaugh trial, the media circus, as it was referred to, and if not, ask him why that same standard should now apply to him, why we should have a second media circus which the average American does not want to see. Seriously, the average American really does not want to see another media circus, if you will. Claims regarding sex and our politicians are typically seen as negatives, okay? Especially when they go on for a long time. That's why Bill Clinton gained so much popularity after his impeachment trial. Because they saw him going, what the fuck? They're impeaching him over... Yeah, perjury, but what did he lie about? Why were you asking him about where his dick was in the first place? Oh my god, he lied about a really stupid question. Congratulations, I don't give a shit. You know, that was sort of how they were thinking about it. And that's why Clinton's approval rating actually shot up during the trial. However, if they want another kind of media circus, and I'm using that term to demonstrate What's the, that's what it was being called by a lot of the same people who now want the same thing for Joe Biden. 
we have to ask, well, why? You know, Sean Hannity has been one of the biggest people screaming about how we need to believe Tara Reid. He called the Kavanaugh hearing one of the biggest witch hunts in U.S. history. And the only argument I have heard regarding this is hypocrisy. About how they typically just take, I forget the exact New York Times columnist, I talked about in the Liberty Hawk article. Um, oh, talking about Kavanaugh versus Biden, of course, then you Google, see what they said about Al Franken or John Conyer or, I don't know, um, Anthony Weiner. You see that, no, this is a one-time thing with Kavanaugh. This is not partisanship. This is just a genuine change in perspective. And people are allowed to have that. They, they are, okay? <laughs> yeah, and as such, the only real argument I've heard regarding why we should treat Biden the same is hypocrisy. Oh, Kavanaugh didn't get due process. Yes, he did. That's why there was a giant trial. Uh, so therefore, Biden shouldn't either. Well, what kind of logic is that? You know, we created due process out of the mistakes of countries that didn't have it. What, were the founding fathers just supposed to say, well, we could have due process, but look at what happened in Salem. Look at what happened before habeas corpus. As such, sorry guys, but wouldn't that be kind of hypocritical? It's like that meme. It was a mockery of the trolley meme, where it was just people on the trolley. There was a straight line getting run over, and there was a lever, and it said, you could hit that lever, but it would be kind of unfair, uh, considering how many people have died before you hit it. Who cares? Is it going to help or isn't it? Due process is good. Therefore, just because one person doesn't get it doesn't mean that everyone shouldn't get it ever. There's no more due process because one person was kind of sort of denied it. He really wasn't, by the way. Kavanaugh was not denied due process, if only because he was never in a courtroom. But, eh. And you see what I'm getting at here. That's how Biden needs to respond to this. He needs to be asking, well, was I right during Kavanaugh? And if the answer is no, I wasn't, why should I get the same thing? That's what all the Democrats should be asking. They should be asking, well, were we right with how we treated Brett Kavanaugh? If the answer is yes, then why were you all against it? the answer is no, why do you want it again? That should be the biggest question right now. That should be the question all the Democrats are asking. That should be the question Joe Biden's campaign doesn't stop asking whenever he's confronted with these accusations of hypocrisy in interviews and so on. You need to make these people take sides. You really do. You need to make now if again if they change their opinion, that's fine, but they have to explain why they changed it. And I'm sorry, but if you want to look at who's partisan, it's not those who are denying Tara Reid. Okay? Kirsten Gillibrand was called partisan for believing Biden and not Reid. Meanwhile, why did she then why was she then one of the leading voices to get Al Franken to resign back in 2017? He was a Democrat. Where was her partisanship then? It didn't exist. And people are, again, allowed to change their perspective. You need to ask them, was I right the first time around? And if not, 
why, and why is it okay now? Those are the questions the Biden campaign desperately needs to ask anyone who brings up Tara Reid in interviews. Anyway, I saw this over the weekend, too, and I wanted to talk about it real quick. Former Pope Benedict attacks gay marriage and accuses his opponents of trying to silence him. Yes, they are attempting to silence the former Pope. I'm sure that will work. <laughs> in new biography, uh, this is from the Daily Mail. Traditionalist former Pope Benedict XVI, I believe, accuses opponents of wanting to, quote, silence him while attacking gay marriage in vehement terms in his new authorized biography, published Monday, that's today, in Germany. Despite leaving office in 2013, a 93-year-old whose original name is Joseph Ratzinger has not given up intervening in social debates, and he offers a fresh attack against gay marriage in the new biography. Ugh, I want to vomit. The Daily Mail, honest to God, occasionally makes me want to vomit reading it. A fresh new attack. Okay, let's see. Let's see how fresh these attacks are. Okay? You know, Pope Benedict is douching. That's how fresh it is. Only like six people under 30 are going to get that. <laughs> uh, a century ago, this is the Pope's talking now, anyone would have thought it absurd to talk about homosexual marriage. Okay, that's just wrong. That's just, that's just wrong. There have been homosexual civil unions throughout quite a bit of early history. In fact, I think it was, what, the first eight emperors Rome had were either gay or bisexual? I think it was eight. It was, like, a higher number than I thought, at least. It really wasn't until... Not even the fall of... It was more after... Catholicism took over, which hey, makes sense, this is the Pope talking, where we really got the idea that it was supposed to be kind of monogamy, was acceptable, and that we had to be heterosexual and all that. Really, throughout history, whether or not that's a standard depends on where you live. And a lot more places have not had it than most people think. Or I've not had that standard than most people think. But even then, even then, let's assume this is true, that in 1920, no matter where you are in the world, okay, even if you are in Germany, which under the Weimar Republic did have a large amount of homosexuality occurring, I will say they, the alt-right historians, giant quotes, are right on that. They then get it wrong when they say that's what caused Hitler to rise to power and not the, you know, giant depression that resulted from the Treaty of Versailles. But, nah. They don't know actual history outside of, like, five things they've read from somebody who's never read history. Uh, <laughs> so I'll forgive them. Even then, what does that prove? Seriously, what does that actually prove at the end of the day? A century ago, anyone talking about gay marriage would have sounded insane. Okay, so what? A century um, ago, anyone talking about refrigeration would have sounded insane. If you would have said, you can put your food in this box that doesn't have ice in it, that will make it cold through electricity, 
They would have looked at you and said, what the, f what the hell are you talking about? Try explaining an iPhone to someone a century ago, you would have sounded insane. Seriously. You really would have. Even if you described to, like, Alexander Graham Bell, you would have sounded insane. Hell, even if you had described to somebody 50 years ago, 1970, after you explained to them the Kent State Massacre, of course, uh, <laughs> that happened that day, you would have sounded insane. Okay? If you would have explained to someone a smart TV in 1970, they wouldn't have been able to grasp it. And by then, we already had colored TVs. So, this argument of, well, a decade ago, it sounded weird. Okay, what's your actual argument, though? Well, you see, therefore, it should always sound weird. That's not an argument. That's just stupid. Like, really stupid. Um, but, okay, let's, this is, by the way, a fresh argument according to the Daily Mail. Today, those who oppose it are excommunicated from society. Not really, no. No, not, not particularly. I mean, you have what? You had Jack Phillips. That was their big guy. The guy who became persecuted for his Christian beliefs. When he won all his court cases. He won every court case he was a part of. Seriously. And raised millions of dollars. I talk about this in Ramblings of a Madman, which you can find on my bio. But he raised millions of dollars from other Christians who were against gay marriage. Were they excommunicated? I mean, were they? No. And now Jack Phillips is this free speech hero, as he should be, because he was actually targeted for beliefs that I disagree with, yes, but that he shouldn't have been sued over. But, like, what are you talking about, is my point. The fact is, people who are against gay marriage aren't really excommunicated. They're just seen as, like, everybody else. I mean, I think it's still, what, four in ten people disagree with gay marriage? At most... It's not so much they're excommunicated, it's more that there are just less of them now. So they're more likely to come into disagreements, but okay. Um, it's the same thing with abortion. No, it isn't. No, no, it isn't. Really? You think that, oh my god, those poor pro-lifers, they're just excommunicated from society? Our vice president and president both showed up at the March for Life. Both Donald Trump and Mike Pence showed up in one form or another to at least the last two Marches for Life. But now, what? Being pro-choice is just the only acceptable opinion? No! What are you talking about? Honest to God, what? We still have one major political party in the United States who has a constitutional amendment to overturn Roe v. Wade in their party platform. 
Seriously. But, no. That's just wrong. And for that matter, to overturn Aberfeld v. Hodge, and depending on the state platform of the Republican Party, in some cases to constitutionally, a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage altogether, but they're marginalized. They really are. No, if you were to ask most of Congress, pro-life and pro-choice is really about evenly split, all things considered. And creating human life in a laboratory. Well, that wasn't really controversial among anyone but Catholics. And I get it, that's who you're talking to, but if you're supposed to be saying, this is a big shift in our culture, no it isn't. It was controversial among your guys for a little bit, but not really anyone else. Um, he believes, adding that it's, quote, only natural for people to, quote, fear the spiritual power of the Antichrist. Very serious man. The ex-pope claims in, quote, in Benedict XVI, a life, that he has fallen victim to a, quote, Magdalene distortion of reality. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? In reaction to his interventions in theological debates, according to passages published by German media and the news agency DPA, the spectacular and of reactions coming from German theology is so misguided and ill-willed that I would prefer not to speak of it. Well, then guess what he does? And I don't know the specifics about theology in Germany, so I'll not argue here. I would rather not analyze the actual reason why people want to silence my voice. Who the hell's trying to silence you? Serious question. Who's trying to silence you? You're the former Pope. When you say anything, even mildly interesting, it's breaking news. People are trying to silence the former Pope. Wrap your head around that for a second. Seriously. Really? No, no, that's just wrong. That is objectively incorrect. This is the definition of a victim complex. I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, here's something from Zero Hedges. Let's see if I can... Where the hell is it? Oh, this is um, relating to Mike Pompeo, who I think, again, should be put on trial for crimes against humanity, for sanctioning Iran during a pandemic, among many other things. I think he's just overall a genuine neoconservative and one of the worst neoconservatives around. He said, like, Edward Snowden should be executed and various other things. Here is what Pompeo said recently. Uh, he was being interviewed by somebody. Let's Did it actually say... Okay, and Mr. Secretary, this is someone who's interviewing him. Have you seen anything that gives you high confidence that the COVID-19 originated in that Wuhan lab? And this is what Pompeo says. Martha, there's enormous evidence that's, wh that, that's where this began. Really? Care to show us it? Seriously, do you have this evidence I keep hearing? Because I've been looking through these claims for... What is this now? Almost the eighth week? 
or I think it's the eighth week, or ninth week, actually, of the show. Can you show me them, Mr. Pompeo? Serious question. Can you find me this evidence? No, you can't because it doesn't exist. Obviously bullshit. We've said that from we've said from the beginning. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. And if that's the case, why did you chip off so much PPE to China? If they then created in the lab so it would spread to the United States. You were the one who authorized that, Pompeo. It was your State Department. Um, we've said from the beginning that this was a virus that originated in Wuhan, China. Oh, okay, well, no one's denying that. We took a lot of grief for that from the outset. From who? From who? That was what everyone, the only people who were really upset about that were the conspiracy theorists that said it was a plot against Trump. But no, now who's giving Pompeo backlash for that? Serious question. For saying that it originated in Wuhan. No, it was that you said it originated in a lab. That was the issue. And are you going to continue dancing around that? Let's see. Uh, we took a lot of grief on that from the outset, but I think the whole world can see now how. Where is the evidence of this? Where is the evidence of this, Mr. Pompeo? And I've shown you where this claim originated on the show. It originated from a poorly cited Fox News article. Seriously. Go, go check if you don't believe me. And then spread to CNN and Yahoo News and all these other sources. And now it's being regurgitated by the administration because they don't want to take blame. Because they do not want to take blame for what is clearly their fault, which is this outbreak. Remember, China has a history of infecting the world? No, not really. And they have a history of running substandard laboratories? Again, no, not really. These are not the first times that we've had a world exposed to the viruses as a result of a failures in Chinese labs. Okay, what examples do you have, Mr. Pompeo? Seriously, what examples? Do you have any, like, at all? And, of course, um, I don't know if I mentioned this yet, but this was back when he was being interviewed on this week, on Sunday, on ABC. They didn't press him on his evidence for this. They didn't. Because if you deny that, obviously you're just a shill for the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, obviously. It's not the fact that there's no evidence for this. If anyone else said it, it'd be labeled a conspiracy theory and dismissed. But no, because the holy word of Mike Pompeo said it, all of a sudden, no, this is real. We have to take this seriously. If you disagree, you're a shield for the communists. What kind of sense does that make? What kind of sense does that make? Would you believe this with the exact same amount of evidence if it was said by Alex Jones or David Icke or Catelyn Johnstone or Jesse Ventura or any of the people who are famous for being conspiracy theorists? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. So why then is it more okay when it's said by Mike Pompeo? who I trust less than David Icke. I really do. 
The answer is, it's not. He's just saying things. That there's no evidence. This is the administration's official line. This is their WMDs in Iraq. That's what it is. That's what it is. And they may end up resulting in a war with China if we don't get these people out fast enough. I'm sorry, but that's what it's looking like. Okay, here's something from The Hill that I just saw and I knew I had to talk about. White House prohibits coronavirus task force members from testifying before Congress in May. White House coronavirus task force members are prohibited from testifying before Congress this month under new guidance issued by Trump administration today. Task force members and key dis disputes have been instructed not to accept invitations to participate in congressional hearings in May, while other agencies responding to the pandemic are being advised to limit the number of hearings they attend. We all know why this is, right? Because these are the same people who know for a fact the narrative that we just talked about Pompeo pushing. That it was created in a lab in China and is a bioweapon or a plot to make U.S. manufacturing non-competitive or some shit. They know that's bullshit. They know it was created by the eating habits of people in Wuhan. That's what it comes down to. They know that. Donald does not want people to know that. You know what it reminds me of? You know what it reminds me of? You guys remember after 9-11? And I know that's a very cheesy American thing to say is remember 9-11, but it's true. It's true. Remember after 9-11, uh, President Bush specifically blocked any investigation into it. Seriously. Took him a year to assemble the 9-11 task force, which he would never testify for. He even said, testify? No, but I'll speak to them. I remember that, him saying that. I think it was about 2002, 2003. It was like, oh my god, why would he? And the answer was because regardless of what you think of the official 9-11 story, it doesn't look all that good for President Bush. Okay? Just like if these people who actually know what's going on were to testify to Donald Trump in front of Congress, it would not look all that good for Trump and Pence and Pompeo and Holly and Cruz and Gatiz and McConnell and all of them. It would not look good for them or their narrative that China is behind this. They don't want that thought to be allowed in mainstream discourse. So what they are going to do is they are going to stop anyone with counter-information. Insider counter-information, specifically, from making any statements. Seriously, that's what's going to happen. Um, that is, at the end of the day, the goal, because they don't want opposition to their narrative because their narrative is their grand plan, if you will. That is their Alice in Wonderland story that they are going to use to get us into an increasing trade war and possibly a full-on war with China. All along, the U.S. becomes an isolationist nation because that's easier to control. Anyway, that is, at the end of the day, what the goal is here. And it will only get worse as time goes on. I'm going to say that right now. It will only 
get worse as time goes on, as things pick up. We are going to see people being silenced, people going under gag orders, all of this, so the president can keep his narrative going. This kind of, I keep calling it a nationalist conspiracy, because that's what it is. It's a nationalist conspiracy, and we need to do everything in our power to keep it from winning. Um, here's another story. Secretary of State declines to disclose information on Tara Reid's complaint against Biden. The Secretary of the Senate, or did I say state first? I meant Senate, my bad. The Secretary of the Senate has informed former Vice President Joe Biden that it has, quote, no discretion to disclose the existence of former aide Tara Reid's complaints of sexual assault against the then-senator in 1993. Biden gave his first media interview Friday denying Reed's allegations that he pushed her against the wall and sexually assaulted her in 1993 when she worked for him. On Friday, he wrote the Secretary of the Senate, Julia Adams, asking, quote, that you take or direct whatever steps are necessary to establish the location of records of this office and once they have been located to direct the search for the alleged com complaint and make public the results of this search. Uh, she refused, by the way. She refused to do so. And Julia Adams, for those curious, is a registered Republican. So why won't she give out the information? Because that might contradict what the narrative is. This is so obvious. This is so obvious. Seriously, this is pathetically obvious what they're doing right now. Um, they want there to be no information that could possibly prove Biden innocent. So now what they are doing is they're intentionally making sure all that information that could goes down the memory hole. That's what they want. Um, the office, in a statement provided to the Hill, said the Senate Legal Counsel had advised, quote, Secretary has no discretion to disclose any such information as requested in Vice President Biden's letter on May 1st. Now, I could not find the specific person who runs the Senate Legal Counsel. I will say, however, that strikes me as rather odd that the person who is being accused of sexual assault cannot get the records of that would prove him either innocent or guilty. Like, at best, that's a miscarriage of justice. At worst, that's an active lie being circulated, so we can't get the information. Again, because the information might prove Biden innocent. And they don't want that. Julia Adams doesn't want that because she's a Republican. And the Senate, which is run by Republicans, doesn't want that. Seriously. That is what I'm getting from this story. Because that is obviously what is going on right now. Reed said she filed a complaint with the Senate 27 years ago, alleging sexual assault and raising concerns about possible retaliation, but admitted over the weekend that she's not sure what precise language she used. The Senate's legal office reviewed the records of the Office of Senate Fair Employee Practices, 
the Government Employee Rights Act of 1991, and the Civil Rights Act of 1991. Um, sorry, but I, I really cannot get this idea out of my head that this is on purpose, that they just don't want the information out there. Because, you know, that's the one thing Republicans hate more than anything else, is information. The office determined that any complaint filed against Biden could not be made public, quote, based on the law's strict confidentiality requirements and the Senate's own direction that disclosure of Senate records is not authorized if prohibited by law. Well, then can you give the records to Biden? Can you release a summary of some kind? Can you do anything? that would actually give the man in question a chance to defend himself. Of course not. You can't. Can you do anything that would possibly let us decide if he's innocent or not? No, you can't. You just can't. Um, because that is what the Republican-controlled Senate does not want to happen. <coughs> Seriously. It is pathetically obvious what they're doing right now. Um, former White House counsel Bob Bayer, who served in the Obama administration, responded on behalf of Biden by asking the Secretary of the Senate if she is also prohibited from disclosing whether, whether any relative records exist. Quote, is there anyone such as a complaint or comp compliant to whom such records, if they exist, could be lawfully disclosed, Breyer asked. The Democratic lawyer also asked for an explanation of the Senate's procedure at the time of complaint. Could the Senate release the procedures and release materials, including any standard form or instruction that the in Office of Senate Fair Employee Practices followed in 1993 for the intake and processing of any complement of this kind, Breyer asked, according to a statement from the Biden campaign. And even if they can, they won't give it to Biden again because this Tara Reid thing is their big goal. They want it to be what all of you know going into 2020. This is their Willie Horton of 2020, if you will. This is what they want. They don't want any chance to defend themselves. They don't care about what the actual facts are. All they want at the end of the day is for Trump to get reelected, which is fine. They're partisan politicians. That's their job. However, the fact that they are denying information to us under that should genuinely piss you off. Seriously, the fact they are not letting you come to your own conclusion about this situation, what are they afraid of? Seriously, what are they afraid of? Are they afraid that we'll actually read the allegation and see that it's bullshit, see that it doesn't match up with what Reed's currently saying, like the story as to why she left D.C.? Maybe. However, that, at the end of the day, is their kind of sick goal. They don't want you to realize it, and if it's ever released, it's going to be several years down the line, and it's going to prove Biden was innocent. The longer it takes them to actually release this, the more likely it is Biden is innocent. Start at any small number you want. I promise you, if you grow it exponentially, even if you may grow it linearly, depending on how low the number is or how high the number is, 
it will be 100% before they release the document. I am betting on that right now. Anyway, here's my guess, by the way, as to why they don't want you to see the original documents regarding Tara Reid. Report! Sexual assault not mentioned in Reid complaint against Biden, but two more people corroborate claims. I don't give a shit how many people corroborate it. Is it true or not? Is it true or not? I don't care how many people say it is. I want the evidence. Okay? But no, this is from Mediate. Tara Reid told the Associated Press in a report published Saturday that she did not include allegations of sexual assault in her alleged complaint against Joe Biden. Right there. Right there. That should be all the evidence you need to know Tara Reid is lying right now. I remember I saw, I think it was Michael Knowles say, her story's never once changed my ass. That is specifically her changing the very core of her story because she is a liar. There is no other way around it. She is a liar. I'm sorry, but there is no other way to look at this. When she couldn't even put the fact that she was sexually assaulted in her original allegations against a man who sexually assaulted her, how else am I supposed to view that other than she's lying? Seriously. The outlet also spoke of to two others who corroborate her assault claim. Apparently she can't, though. Apparently she just didn't believe herself or some shit. Um, I remember talking about him wanting me to serve drinks because he liked my legs and thought I was pretty and I made, it made me uncomfortable, Reed told AP in a Friday interview regarding a complaint she filed about Biden. I know that I was too scared to write about the sexual assault. Really? In the 90s, you were too scared to say you were sexually assaulted. In the 90s. I'm sorry, but this was like the 70s. Maybe I could believe it. Maybe. But by the 90s, we were already very compassionate as a society towards sexual assault victims. We were. That was just after Anita Hill nearly cost Clarence Thomas his Supreme Court seat. Only a few years beforehand. You, you were just too scared of who? Who were you scared of? I mean, the on, and for that matter, why did you continue being scared, giant quotes, for 27 more years? Every which way you look, this story is utterly nonsensical. I'm sorry, but how else am I supposed to look at this other than you're making excuses to cover up for your obvious lies? Because again, Tara Reid is a lying liar. Okay? Um, any other quotes from Reed specifically? Let's see. No, no other quotes from Reed. But that's really all you need to know. Is that not even Tara Reed said she was sexually assaulted at first. In fact, if you look back at what she was saying, even when she was saying that Biden was making her uncomfortable, she never called it sexual assault. 
She said it made her uncomfortable. She said he, like, I don't know, petted him or petted her on a couple of occasions or something like that. You know, things that are weird and do deserve reprimandation. Reprimandation? Is that the word? You deserve to be reprimanded for to some extent or punished for to some extent. But nothing that qualifies as sexual assault. No, instead... It was then, in 2020, after he became the nominee, that she made up the story of him pushing her against the wall and fingering her. They just made that up, whole cloth, in 2020, after the claim that she was making him uncomfortable, or he was making her uncomfortable, sorry, um, was completely not taken seriously. And after, before then, she said that Biden was an imperialist warmonger. And before then, for 23 fucking years, she said he was great and had a great record on women's issues. After, of course, he, she told all her friends and family that Biden sexually assaulted her and had her mother call him the Larry King live. What kind of sense does this make? Seriously, what kind of sense does this make? It doesn't. It doesn't, and there is no reason to believe it. Anyway, that that is all for tonight. I'm Ephraim, and I'm signing out. See you all tomorrow. If you enjoy this episode, you may enjoy my book, Ramblings of a Madman, Life as an Anarchist. Or for that matter, if you want to submit to me a story or a column to the bunk or anything, simply send it to peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com.